The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, draft.com, draft in your app store. Great way to play daily fantasy sports. They do the snake-style drafts just the way you like them. And it's cool because you don't have to worry about ownership that way. You're the only guy that owns them. They have baseball. They have basketball. They have golf. They have football. They got it all. They've also introduced auction drafts. And most importantly, best ball drafts. They dominated it in football, brought it to basketball and baseball. And they're back for this NFL season doing new best ball drafts. One of them has a $25 entry, million-dollar winner. Tons of stuff going over there at draft.com. If you're new to draft, use promo code SDSports, SD as in dog sports, for a free $3 entry into a tournament of your choice. It can be a best ball, an auction, a snake, you name it. $3 free entry, first time deposit using promo code SDSports. Also, if you can give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would really help the podcast out. It would mean a ton to me. Now to Bench with Bubba, episode 183 with Ron Rigney of the Nasty Cast, talking recent fantasy baseball news and much, much more. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 183 some more fantasy baseball talk in order to do so joined by a guest of the show we've had him uh, on before it's been a little too too little too long is the way i'll say it you can find him on twitter at the real mod day he's part of the nasty cast and so much more ron rigney how are we doing my friend doing good my man enjoying another uh slightly balmy day here in south florida that feels like you're walking around the surface of the sun trying to stay inside stay cool and what better way to do it than, than to be back on the Bench with Bubble podcast? Appreciate the invite, my man. Heck yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's always good chatting with you. I enjoy listening to you boys over there at the Nasty Cast. Why don't you let everybody else know what, what all you got going on? Because I know there's more than just the Nasty Cast with you guys. Yeah, so we, we, we've got those two, two pods going on. Check those out. You can find those on iTunes anywhere you get your podcasts at. Um, I know we've got some guys as well that do the baseball thing, but also we got some fantasy footballers out there. Also, maybe you're 
your baseball season's kind of headed south and you're starting to kind of look at your football prep. I work uh, and do some things over BigGuyFantasySports.com with Bob Lung. Uh, Bob Lung is, is as, Col- as my man Colby Conway-, Conway calls it. I do some stuff with him over there as well. Bob Lung is the pioneer of the consistency concept when you're looking to uh, draft and when you're looking for a guide, which, by the way, Bob Lung, consistency guide, took home the 2018 FSWA Fantasy Football Publication of the Year. We were nominated a couple of years ago. He, Bob brought that home last year, so always always cool to be able to add that to the resume. Doing some stuff over there, you can catch us on the Consistency Football Pod. We actually made that part of the Full Time Fantasy uh, Network podcast network. They just unveiled. We got some good stuff going on over there. And one thing I wanted to plug real quick is, and, and Bob's kind of the mastermind behind this, is anybody that lives kind of in the Canton, Ohio area. I don't know if you if, if you paid attention last year for, to the football stuff we put on the or Bob put on the Kings Classic last year, which was kind of you know, the draft from, we drafted from the Hall of Fame, and I was lucky enough to be able to participate in that. It was an awesome time. We're doing that again this year. But also, Bob is putting on a Midwest Fantasy Football Expo, the first annual. It's on August 18th, Sacant, Ohio. If you go to MidwestFFExpo.com, you can check out everything you need to know there. And we also have a, a coupon code. We're going to have live podcast stage. We're going to have all kinds of sites there. I don't think the list is finalized yet, but you can come and kind of bounce questions off of us. We're going to try to have a mock draft there. Of course, the whole big guy fantasy sports crew will be there and we'll, we'll be getting a list of people out as people kind of get finalized, but it's starting to fill up a little bit, have live podcast things going on. Cost 20 bucks to get in, get a swag bag with some discount codes for some different sites, things like that. You go to our site, midwestffexpo.com, type in big guy as your code. You get five bucks off of that as well. So you can actually get in the door for 15 bucks. Come talk fantasy football with some people for a few hours and have a good time. That is outstanding as it is almost fantasy football time on bench with Bubba. I'm holding out as long as I can, but it's, it's <laughs> coming up around the corner. I've had, I told a few people we'll, we'll be getting those cranked up as well. And Bob is always a, uh, one of the, the early season guests on uh, bench with Bubba the last couple of years. So we'll get Bob on as well to, to plug away and talk some more consistency. So that's, that's awesome to hear that Canton deal. Just the draft was awesome last year. Seeing you guys do that. I think there's two leagues you guys did or whatever. And um, a lot of big time names, a lot of good people there. So the whole expos, I mean, that's a pretty cool concept that you guys and Bob are putting together. So it'd be fun to see how that all plays out. Really good stuff there. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's talk some baseball. Let's talk some baseball. Yeah, Craig we're not Kimbrell. ready to give up on baseball yet. We don't need to get in nope. full-time fit, football mode yet. Let's go. Yes, not yet. It's, 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 it's always football leads the world. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, as they say in cash money cream, it's, it's football. But we got baseball now. <laughs> So let's talk it. Craig Kimbrell, he is back. He was activated by the Cubs. I believe he got the save today, actually. So uh, he is back up and running with the Chicago Cubs just for fun, because I'm pretty sure we all know we're going to add Craig Kimbrell. He's already been added, so on and so forth. What's your expectations for him the rest of the way, coming with this kind of late start to the season? I mean, you, you could see a, a few cobwebs here and there, but I, I think they did it the right way. Obviously, he needed a little bit of time to tune up in the minors, and I think he did that. But when, when you look stat-wise, when you look at what you're getting at Craig Kimbrell, you're getting one of the best that statistically ever held down the closer spot, done it for some big-time teams, done it in some big-time situations. And it was just a matter of him just kind of finally coming around and the team just kind of reaching out to him. And, I, and, and the Cubs signing him may, has made sense since the end of last season because we know that's one of the places they've struggled a little bit. We know the Cubs have some money now, and so it just makes sense. I, I think you're gonna you might see a hiccup along the way here and there, just because he didn't have a full spring training and a full you know few games underneath his belt. But overall, he's going to be the same Craig Kimbrell that that you've seen. I don't think there's really anything there to be scared of. And if you did 
draft him and stash him, or if you did spend a little bit of money on him, you finally get to reap the benefits of that. Yep, it's about time, and uh, he should have plenty of opportunities with the Cubs, so good stuff there. The Minnesota Twins, they've been a fun team this year. Um, I know that's your boy Dawkins' team. I picked them to win the Central because I didn't believe in the Indians. So far, so good, but they are just a slew of injuries. Byron Buxton, Byron Gonzalez, Eddie Rosario is now hurt. Um, Williams Astadio, my man, the Tortuga is on the DIL <laughs> yet again. But they called up Lamonte Wade Jr., prospect at a triple A, kind of, you know, not at the greatest of years last year, but kind of on the ball this year. I know you guys do a dynasty show over there on the Nasty Cast. What can you tell us on Wade? Because I looked it up. It, there, there, there are people like him. I just didn't see anything. What are you seeing with him? He's, to me, when I look at, at what he profiles at is, first of all, he's a little bit older of a prospect. I believe he's 25 years old. So he's a guy that's kind of hung around in the minors a little bit. Ninth round pick, so not, not, not a guy that's an early round pick. Not, they didn't invest a lot of draft capital in him. He's a guy that I think he's getting called up more out of depth than anything else. Now, if you're in an OBP league, he's going to help you there definitely. He had a 393 OBP at AAA this year, only hitting 248. So if it's an average league, he's not going to help you as much there. And he's not going to give you much in the way of counting stats. Only had six stolen bases, five home runs in AAA. So he can give you a handful of each. But it's a guy, I think unless you're in an ultra deep league and you've got a little bit of injury woes going on, I don't think I'd really even worry about looking at him at all. And plus, who when they start to get some of these guys back, I think it's just a matter of time before he gets sent back down. All right, so that's the biggest part I wanted to get out of you there is let's not think he's a part of the prospect train we've been seeing over and over again this season, which sadly, uh, we don't have to go too deep into it because I just saw earlier today Jordan Alvarez left the game with a, a hurt knee. That's the best way I can do it to have seen results for me yet, but that would just be another blow if it's uh, more serious than it should be. But, yeah, prospect after prospect we've seen come up, not as many sticking around the way we'd hoped they would have. Um, sticking with the Houston Astros, though, Framber Valdez, we saw him come out of the uh, bullpen, pitch a couple really, really good starts, goes into Yankee Stadium. I'll take it with a grain of salt. Then he gets just shellacked by the Pittsburgh Pirates, who really don't hit lefties well at all. He's back to AAA after that night. That's a great way to spend a, to spend a Wednesday. Don't know about you, Ron, <laughs> but that's a hell of a Wednesday right there. Uh, he's back to AAA. Colin McHugh was activated recently. They haven't said who's in the rotation yet, but it's not going to be Corbin Martin as he's Got forearm issues, which is never good. Mm. What are you, what are you doing with uh, the Astros here? It's starting to feel like that fifth spot's like the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. I looked at this a lot today, and I and I looked at who they have in the minors toiling around, and I looked at injuries, and I looked at just things that they could go do. And, and there's a lot of ways they could go with this. When you look at their one through four with guys like Cole and Verlander, they, those two guys are lights out. We know that the third and fourth, you know, Brad Peacock. Those guys have been solid as well. They haven't been as obviously spectacular as those first two guys in the rotation. Ultimately, kind of what I'm looking at here, because we know Forrest Whitley's had some injury woes. We know he's not expected back till mid-July, and he wasn't that good when he was in there anyway this season. I think we can chalk that up to injury because I think he's still going to be a stud from here on out when he does get healthy, when he does get the call. But it's one of these things where I think that they're going to go out and have to get somebody to kind of solidify that rotation. They've got a couple of these, you know, these guys were kind of long relievers, these stretch type of guys, like you mentioned, McHugh, Brad Peacock has been that in the past. So they've got a few guys that can fill a few roles here, but I think just with some of the prospects they have, they have a, they have a rich you know, riches of outfield prospects that they could maybe send. I, I, I was looking kind of down as well. And the guy that we've talked about on the dynasty show a few times, Seth beer, 
Seth Beer is a guy that's kind of exceeded our expectations on the Dynasty show. And I think it could be maybe something if they could package him and kind of sell high on him. Because I don't know if he's going to be more than just kind of a, a power hitting, maybe 250 kind of major league type type bat at first base. But I think they're going to have to go out and get something. And as we know, there's a lot of names out there as far as guys that could really help a rotation out coming down the stretch here. And I don't think they really have to – when you look at the standings in that division, the Rangers are a little closer than you might think they are. And they, and they have a little bit better, better record when, than you might think that they do. And I know when you think about the Rangers, at least for me, I don't think of them being very good. But they're only about four and a half games back right now, which I think is is pretty remarkable for them considering when you look at what they have on paper. So I think it's a matter of Houston maybe going out and adding a guy. I don't know if they'll go big and try to maybe add a Madison Bumgarner, maybe try to get a Marcus Stroman. I don't know if they would go that big or not, but I think that you're going to see them maybe make a move to get somebody that's going to solidify that rotation. Yeah, I'm with you. A couple of notes on, on what you're saying there. A, it's amazing what the Rangers are doing. Like coming mm-hmm. into the season, I was like, okay, they have a softball lineup. The offense is going to be fun. That's great. But the pitching, really, like for reals, Mike Miner has been amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Lance Lynn in Arlington. Are you kidding me? Like he couldn't figure it out in Minnesota. He's got to go in Arlington. There's just a lot of things going in the right direction. Like Toronto threw well today. Samson's been usable. Like these guys are just surprising. But you hit on it with the Astros and on, on, on a previous episode with Tim Heaney of Rotowire. We kind of started talking about this on a different vein. It wasn't about Framber Valdez, but the idea that Kyle Tucker just can't seem to find love with this team anymore. He kind of feels that Tucker might have worn out his welcome with the club. Like he's not the, not the, not that they don't want him obviously, but he's not the guy that they thought like he was going to be in the big leagues. I don't know. Could be a lot of ways to go about it. I might be misspeaking here, but do you think that, you know, last year he was pretty much off the table in trades. Do you think maybe they headline with him and go pick up a big name to come in there? I think it's definitely possible because, like I said, they have a few guys out there. And and we talked about them in the preseason. And you look at guys like Mike Brantley's hit well. George Springer is George Springer. Josh Reddick's hit, played well this season as, as well. And I didn't think he would play that well and continue this kind of pace that, he, that he's been playing at. But, you know, like you, you mentioned, you mentioned Tucker. Uh, I mentioned Seth Beer. Mm-hmm. Derek Fisher's a guy that they have there as well. Miles Straw is a guy that could be moved, uh, you know, speed guy. So, I mean, they have a few things they could play with. I think it just all matters if, if, if they think they have somebody that's already on that roster because I don't think it's – I don't think the answer is going to be within. I don't think the answer is going to be somebody they can call up unless Garrett or Forrest Whitley comes up and, and is automatically healthy and is able to just kind of blow the doors off in AAA and they call him up, which I don't really see happening. But I, if, if they think that it can land them a guy like – I just, for some reason, think Madison Baumgartner would be an excellent fit in that rotation. I think he would be awesome there. And whether or not they try to sign him to a long-term deal or it's just a rental, it wouldn't shock me at all that they could do that because they have the resources to be able to make some trades. They have the resources to be able to go get some guys. They have some depth. So it wouldn't shock me if they led with with Fisher or Tucker in one of those deals if they think it can net them the right piece to make a run for another World Series title. And as a Giants fan, I'd be all aboard him going to Houston because I know whatever return it is should be pretty darn good. I'd be very happy with that. And he would fit in there. He's a big old Okie. And I've always said he should be going to like Atlanta or something closer to home. But I think Texas would be a nice uh, alternative for a guy like Mad Bum. Go play with his cows and run around. He'd enjoy it. Um, (laughs) Let's go to the New York Yankees as much as I think you and I both agree we don't really like the New York Yankees. Um, we have to acknowledge them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it's Giancarlo Stanton who just can't stay healthy. I, I At the beginning of the season, I did not want to use the term injury-prone because 
getting in the hit in the face with a fastball is not an injury prone thing to do. Right now, it's starting to feel like he might be a little too big and becoming injury prone. Uh, I've had other guests on the show talk about it. He came back for like two or three games. He's re- he's hurt again. And um, Cashman came out today and said there's pretty much no chance he's back until um, August. Like he's out for a while. This is not good. What's your thoughts on Stanton? And then like maybe is it Frazier or who do we see coming up? I don't have Stanton, I think, in one place in all the leagues I play in, and I'm very happy for that. It's, it's, it's funny because I think of, I start thinking of the game operation, the guy sitting there with all the different ailments, and that's what I think of with Giancarlo Stanton. He's a fun guy to watch because, he, I mean, he, he's a big guy that hits homers, and, that, and that's kind of what he is, and that's, yeah, that's kind of what the Yankees wanted him to be. And, and it's just – I don't – and it's funny because not, the injuries aren't related. It's not like he keeps hurting like the same knee or the same hamstring. I mean, this is all over the place. Like you said, a baseball to the face and a wrist and a knee, and it's always something. And so I don't know if it's bad luck more than anything else, but if it is bad luck, then this guy's got his share of it for sure. I, I would have to think it would have to be Frazier would be the guy. I mean, yet again, I think Frazier could be something that, you know, kind of in the same vein that we talked about with the, the Strohs, you could see the Yankees package him for something, you know, whether they need – another bat, whether they need another arm in that rotation, which could help him out. But I, I think he's the guy, but that that's kind of talking before this injury happened. I think that he's, he's got to be the guy that they call up and he's got to get a little bit more run and he could be a useful fantasy piece. We know he's got the talent, but it's just a matter of with all the guys they have in that outfield now with, with Aaron Hicks healthy, we know they got judge, they got Gardner, they got all these guys out there that can play the outfield. So it's just a matter of he's got to have something like this happen for him to get playing time in the Yankees. Otherwise they need to move him somewhere else. Yeah, you got to think it's going to be him. It's just, man, what a waste of a fourth outfield if you have him sitting on the bench. But that's just, it gets the embarrassment of riches they have right now. But that's that's what you'd imagine comes up and hopefully rekindle some of that that good success he had to start this year before he kind of hit a little doldrum there towards the end. Um, Tim Anderson, Chicago White Sox, goes to the IL with a sprained right ankle. Kind of sucks for a guy that was hitting with some power, some speed. Um, they're, they're hoping it's not too severe by any means. Uh, they're, they're hoping he's back just in a couple weeks. But uh, what are your thoughts on Tim Anderson and um, this injury? I don't think it's anything too, too too serious, and I don't see the White Sox for any reason rushing him back. Obviously, they're not headed anywhere. They're in that kind of that rebuild mode. So you're not going to see him get rushed back, I think, before he's ready to come back. And Tim, Tim Anderson's a guy that I was you know on the Tim Anderson train even before he started to hit for average and hit for uh, a decent OBP because he's, he was such a cheap going into 2018 drafts. He was such a – cheap 2020 threat that you could get him and you could put him at that middle infield spot. I didn't really feel comfortable starting him as my shortstop unless it's an ultra deep league, but he hit 20 homers, sold 26 bases. He doesn't walk. We know that. And yet again, 2019, you're going to see those numbers come down because he, he's, he's sporting 317, 342, 491 slash 2.5% walk rate. Now, how do you make that all happen with a two and a half percent walk rate you got a 373 babbitt that's not sustainable i don't see that if, if it is he's, he's got the best luck ever but he's yet again 11 homers 15 stolen bases helping your team out but also giving you that boost in average and obp that you didn't feel that you were going to get from him i always thought he had a little bit more in him as far as he's not a 240 281 406 slash guy i thought he could raise that a little bit but i wasn't expecting him to, to both be this high so you'll see it come down a little bit but they're not going to rush him back because, like I said, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. There's no reason to rush him back. Heck, they designated Yonder Alonso for assignment today. Yeah. So there's lots of moving parts in uh, Chicago with the White Sox right now, and it sucks because I do like Tim Anderson like you. I'm a big fan of his. I remember I was on the train last year, and I, I rode that to success. And 
this year he's I think he's taken to the next level, kind of like you were saying. So it, it's a shame, but no reason to rush him back. But I think when he comes back, he'll be ready to rock and roll at full speed. And hopefully, I think the White Sox second half could be kind of fun as Eli continues to look a little more confident at the plate. And that's going to be a scary, scary man when he's confident in the hot mm-hmm. summer days in Chicago. That's going to be terrifying. So I think there's a lot to like there if you're a White Sox fan. It's taking a little while to get there, but yeah. I think it's 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 coming. It's it's coming for them. Excited um, to see of, Dylan Cease as well before we move on. He's a guy that I'm. He's probably the pitcher in the minors right now. I'm the most excited to see come up and see actually what they what they've got here and them with him because I know a lot of time they talked about him being a closer. He's proved to them he can be a starter. So he's probably that next guy they got coming up that I'm really waiting to see. No, that's fine. We can we can talk about him for a second. You mentioned him. Uh, that's kind of the rumored next quote unquote big thing we're going to see come up from the minors. Um, you know, people talked about him. People talked about Jesus Lazardo coming up this year. We just got Zach Gallen. There's lots to like with Cease, and you know, in all the leagues we play in, if you if you play in a Fab League, you're if you have money right now, you've either just lost every bid you had, or you've been very frugal for some some reason. It's been your gift. Um, when Cease comes up, how aggressive would you be to go pick him up? It's what it's funny, and I knew that's where, what you were going to ask me. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the Dynasty show, and we talked, we mentioned a little bit last week with you know it's being called Fab Mageddon with all these big prospects coming up. But the problem is you're doling out all these cash for these guys, and a lot of them are getting sent back down. Mm-hmm. And with Dylan Cease, I think a lot of times you know you see these guys in AAA. You look at his ERA; it's at four point six nine right now. He's not really blowing you off the page, and he's still walking too many guys. So I, I don't know if it's going to be a case of maybe they move him up to the next level because I wonder sometimes if these guys get bored at some of these levels and they're just chomping at the bit to get up there. I feel like he's going to get a little bit longer of a leash because it is Chicago and kind of the same thing I said with Tim Anderson. I don't think that you know they're not going anywhere, so they might give, give him a few more starts than – prospects for other teams that have guys that they can fill in in those spots yeah I'm looking at you I'm looking at you Colorado with their handling of their prospects <laughs> um but it, I don't know it's 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 a tough question because I want to say I'd go after him but at the same time I'm still scared that if I throw that fab money out there he's going to get two starts and they're going to send him back down and, and have him work on some things but hopefully if you go after him they'll have him work on some things at the major league level but it's it's one of those guys like you said I think he's one of the next along with Luzaro that's a great name drop there as well. I think those are the, the next couple of guys that are going to come up. So I, I wouldn't be too aggressive. I try to kind of try to find that happy medium to where I could maybe jump on him now and I wouldn't have to pay so much for him. But if you wait until he's actually called up, like if you like TGFBI, for example, where we have weekly moves on those Sunday nights and, and he gets called up on a Tuesday and everybody knows about it, you're going to have to spend some cash. So if you're going to try to get him at a discount, you've either already done it or you're going to go do it right now. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm with you on is I don't know if it's lucky or unlucky. I haven't really got many of the prospects. I just haven't, I guess, been aggressive enough. I don't know if that's, like I said, lucky or unlucky. I guess it depends on a, a prospect-by-prospect basis. But I've also spent a lot of my money doing other things. It's kind of just one of those weird, weird parts of it. And it's a good point you guys are bringing up that most of these guys aren't panning out, which sucks because we've seen in the past, you know, like a Juan Soto comes up and he wins your league. So – that's why you're aggressive on these guys mm-hmm. the way you are. Like you have to be, because most other like guys that are already in the bigs that you're gonna wait, like put bids in on, they're not gonna be game changers very often. That's just not the way it works. So you have to be aggressive at the same time. They bring so much risk to the table. And Cease is interesting because you know we've seen the gallons. Look at Corbin Martin. We just talked about him earlier. People mm-hmm. were all over him. What he gets you three or four starts the last couple, but you didn't even wish he didn't even start for you. <laughs> and now he's hurt. It's just. It's a weird deal. It's the way of the world these days, and especially in leagues like TGFBI, NFBC, 
where you can't trade. So yeah. you really have to go out and get these guys. And it, it's been a very interesting learning curve for many. And even people like you and I that play these games for a long time, this has just been a whole different year. So that's why I've talked about this subject with a lot of my guests, because I like getting all the different opinions because it's a really, really weird year when you look at how fab gets spent, how these prospects, we haven't seen anything like this. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been crazy. And when Cease comes, Lizardo, good thing for NFBC people. Lizardo was owned in a lot of leagues, so he's available in most of your NFBC TGFBIs. Cease will not be. So that's what makes these difficult. And that, I, I, you can tell this could be a podcast for a whole, like a whole separate podcast. <laughs> like, I might do that at the end of the year. It's like a roundtable, like six guests. And let's just talk, how did Fab go this season? Like, that was just banana lands. We need to talk about this. But, um, yeah, it'll be quite interesting. Talking about some more Fab, you have – Jordan Hicks, this is a shame. It broke right before my last pod. We touched on it. We didn't know all the final details. We speculated. Speculations were correct. Jordan Hicks is going to undergo Tommy John surgery, which is a shame. The dude's been very, very good. But he's out for quite some time, obviously. And John Gant was looking to be the guy. That didn't go so well. Carlos Martinez could be the guy. How are you approaching the closing situation in St. Louis? I think for what we've seen right now, we actually talked about this earlier in the week on the Nasty Cast. Is is it's got to be Carlos Martinez right now? I think, but I would say, don't sleep on John Gant. If you could get him for cheap, go get him for cheap because I I don't think anything's set in stone with Carlos Martinez. And, and on the on the Nasty Cast, Van, Van Lee brought up a great point: is for whatever reason, the Cardinals just don't seem to be fans of Carlos Martinez, and I don't really know why. But it's everything we've kind of seen with reports, you know, coming out of the front office. It looks like he's going to be the guy. And when you think about how heralded of a prospect he was when he was coming up, he was one of those top 10 in baseball guys, not just the Cardinals. And, and one of the things we talked as well about with the Cardinals is they do it right more often than not with their prospects. They draft well. They develop these guys, especially their pitchers. He's kind of in that vein. But for whatever reason, they just don't seem to trust him. And, and I know he's been hurt off and on. I know it's kind of been – him kind of working his way back, but I think he's the guy right now. But don't be afraid to go get John Gant if he's out there and he costs you nothing or he costs you just a buck or two as far as your fab. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I think it's uh, – I like that take on, on Martinez because I've heard it on my show and many others that people have been wanting Carlos Martinez to be the closer forever. And to me, if that's what they wanted, they would have done that kind of by now. I think we would have mm-hmm. seen more of that by now. Uh, as good as Jordan Hicks is, you think Carlos would have kind of beat him out for that if that's what they wanted. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I guess he might be able to sneak some in there as diverse as the closing landscape is these days that many guys can have their take on it. We'll see how that goes. But that's a good point there. I, I think going after a Gant or um, another name, I talked to STL Cup of Joe the other day from The Athletic, and Gallegos is pitching really, really well out of that bullpen. And if you want to just, if you like you're short on fab and you don't want to compete for these names and you want to get a $0 or a $1 bid and see what happens, I think that's a speculative bid to go play with because if, God forbid, another injury takes place or something, I think Gallegos might be that guy. But that's just pure speculation if you have room for that, which a lot of people don't have this time of year. So something to think about. Um, Atlanta Braves. I only put this name on the outline because this is before the start that went south. But it, it's kind of I'm kind of okay with it going south because it opens up the question even more. Bryce Wilson returned from the minors for the Braves made the start four and a third six hits four earned six k's it's it hasn't been pretty for bryce this season it really hasn't it's it's only in limited action so we can't take you know we can't go crazy with that the miners have been much better than the bigs 
With the Braves, though, with so many options they have, depending on how they want to navigate their slew of pitching, how are you approaching this opening in the in the in the the Braves system? It's tough because it's kind of like what I just mentioned with the Cardinals. The Braves, as we know, have one of the top farm systems in in baseball, and they and they develop these pitchers as well. I mean, you go through the names that they, that they've had in the last couple of years: Soraka, Newcomb, Wilson, Kyle Wright. I mean, they have these guys that they just develop them. And, and, and they, they end up succeeding. Now, granted, this is only two starts, so I wouldn't you know, get too upset about it just yet. I feel like it's, it's one of these things that have this embarrassment of riches. These, these guys, they're just kind of throwing them against the wall to see what sticks. And some of these guys are going to stick. And so you would hate to not get in on one of these. I think he would be a cheap ad because I think it is such a fluid situation that if he does falter, they can send him down. They can put you know put somebody else back up there but also I wouldn't quite put them out of the race to add a guy maybe like Mad Bum as well because once again they do have all those riches they do have all those pitching prospects if they think they can make a run at it in the postseason it wouldn't shock me because they can't start everybody you can have five guys in that rotation and I don't think you groom a lot of these guys to be middle relievers that's not what you draft the guy in the first round to be or you draft the top prospect to be you don't say oh that's going to be you know, my fifth inning, my sixth inning guy. You don't want that. And so I think they could put a couple of these guys together, maybe make a run for a pitcher as well. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I could see that definitely being an option, be something to keep an eye on and uh, start putting spec bids out sooner than later if you can. But uh, if they go and add someone, not doing any of that. So see how that goes. Uh, let's do a little buy, sell, hold as we're kind of getting through June. I, I, I grabbed some guys that are having really good Junes, a couple not so good Junes, and um, just kind of guys on hot streaks for the most part. Dan C, do you believe in this streak? Um, I don't want to steal a line from another show, so just buy, sell, hold. We'll use what everyone uses. And um, we'll start with Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. This guy, I, when he was dealt from the Giants, I was mad because I saw how good he was in the minors when I saw him in single A, and people didn't think he'd be much of anything. Well, like most prospects, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to develop other aspects of their game. He's hitting 389 over June with nine extra base hits, um, looking really, really, really good for the Pirates. Do you believe this is the Brian Reynolds you should that, that you're going to have the rest of the year, or are you selling Brian Reynolds? I think I might sell, and it's not because I don't like Brian Reynolds. It's just because I don't think, obviously, what he's hitting right now is going to be sustainable for the long haul. I think he does have a shot at hitting for a high average and, and giving you a nice OBP. You know, there's not going to be any speed there. He doesn't strike out a ton as, as compared to today's standards. He is right there at that 20% like a lot of guys are. Six homers already, not really known as a power guy, career high, like you referenced him as being a giant and high A was was 10 homers in 121 games. I kind of see maybe a little bit more beyond that because he does have six already. But I think I would I would sell him if you need to, just because I, I, I don't obviously see this hot streak being something that's sustainable long term. But I do like him overall long term as being a nice average guy with maybe a little bit of sneaky pop here and there. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought about him before. He's gonna he's a really good average hitter. And the pop, you know, it might come in waves here and there, depending on what juice ball they're using and whatnot. But uh, he, he's going to be a very good, like, leadoff type. I think he's he's basically what they wanted from Adam Frazier, but better. That's kind of what I think Brian Reynolds could be. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out there. Let's go to the New York Mets. Jeff McNeil, this guy did it last year. I'm, I, I know you listened and you talk a lot of draft stuff, and there weren't many people that thought Jeff McNeil would do it again, and he has. He's been better than ever. Since his return from the IL on June 4th, he's hitting 384 with four home runs, eight doubles, a couple of stolen bags even, striking out 10% of the time. The dude's been very, very good. Are you buy, selling, or holding Jeff McNeil? 
I'm going to hold him just because I don't know if you go buy him. I don't know what you're going to have to give up. And I, it seems like to me it's going to be fairly expensive. But Jeff McNeil is, is one of these perfect guys. We talk about, you know, in our drafts where those guys you get in the early parts of the, the draft or on, on offense are guys that are going to help you across multiple categories. And as the draft kind of dwindles down, you have these guys that you're going to draft. They're going to help you in less and less categories. And then you kind of fill out your roster with guys that specialize in one thing, one trick ponies. And one of my strategies, one of the things I attack with, especially in a five outfield league, is in my outfield, I like to have a couple of those one-trick ponies because I think your other positions can kind of help with what those guys do. This is the perfect guy to help you with batting average because it's not like he's hitting like around 300. I mean, the guys, he went over three today. I don't know if they're done playing yet, but he's over three right now at least. He's hitting 348 with a 413 OBP, and he's doing it over 200 plate, 281 plate appearances. So that tells me, and you referenced the season last year, he ended with a 329 average and a 381 OBP. So he's getting it done. In the way of counting stats, not giving you a ton, but there are a couple sneaky steals there like you referenced. Does have six homers, does have 34 runs scored. So he's going to help you in those categories a teeny tiny bit, but he offsets those guys that hit the bombs, that are hitting for the low averages, that are not giving you those those OBPs and batting averages. So I think he's a guy that I'm going to hold on to. And if you can get him for a solid price to offset some of those home run, home run guys, go out and get him if it's something you feel like you can give up. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you here because to me, I think the batting average is legit. Is he going to hit 380? No, but mm-hmm. I think you could probably get a 330 to 340 guy, which sounds crazy, but that's just who he is. He's just a slappy base hit guy that I think is going to do it more often than not. And if you're hurting in batting average leagues, like that's a big asset for the like second half of the season. We're, we're real close to the midway point of the season. So that, that has some value in itself. That's why like when, you, when, when we talk rotisserie league, we talk trades in rotisserie league. It's not always like hey, this player's ranked fourth. I want the sixth-ranked player with the third or something like that. You don't look at it that way. You're looking at needs. And batting average is a hard need to fill mm-hmm. on the waiver wire. What kind of – you don't have to like give specific names. But like how crazy of a, of a player do you think you'd have to give up to get a Jeff McNeil? I don't think it would be as crazy as you as you think because, like I said, he just he does mainly those two things for you, but they are kind of hard to come by. I was trying to think of a comp earlier or something you'd maybe have to throw out there for him. And I, and I was kind of struggling finding somebody you might give up. I mean, I was trying to think of maybe, you know, I I guess instead of giving a name, you would have to, if you have a couple of those guys, like I referenced before that you're trying to offset with batting average. Like if you have a guy that's a 230, 240 hitter that hits a lot of home runs and he doesn't hit for, you know, he's not hitting for that high average. That might be the guy that, that you package. So, I, yeah, I was kind of struggling with that myself, and I couldn't come up with a name, but it just it, – it all depends upon what, what you're in, in specific need of. Yeah, I guess that's a good, good point, though. It's gonna be I, know, a, I, know that's kind, I know that's kind of a lame answer. I know that's not a hot from. take, but it's, it's hard to do, you know. It's hard to throw no, names that, out there. Yeah, not – no, that, that's why I asked because it, it's a tough one to kind of put a finger on because it's not a sexy player, so the name doesn't, like, pop off the page. But I guess if someone owns him, they're doing well on batting average, but they're probably hurting somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's one of those, like, goes back to the beginning, you know, it's a rotisserie thing. You fill their need, they fill yours, and everyone's happy. So and maybe it's even a pitcher. Maybe it's not even a hitter. It's like, hey, they need this guy that, you know, maybe it's a closer or something. Who knows? So it, it, it could be a lot of ways to go with that one. Let's go to the Miami Marlins. Garrett Cooper, I thought this was kind of like a, a streak. Maybe it is. It's just a pretty long one right now. Since June, the start of June, hitting 377 with four homers, eight total extra base hits. He, he's, he's doing much, much more than I thought he would do. The BABIP's a little high, so who knows if it's sustainable. But for now, Garrett Cooper's playing well. 
I don't see playing time being an issue in Miami. What's your thoughts on buy, selling, and holding Garrett Cooper? I'm holding him if I have him. If I can buy him for not too much, I'm going to buy him. He's a guy that in our fan tracks staff league, it's a draft and hold league as well, like TGFBI. He's a guy that I drafted in my outfield, and he was hurt for a little bit to start the season. And I've kind of reaped the benefits since he's been healthy. So it's just a matter of him being healthy. He's usually hitting in the middle of the lineup. Now, granted, it's Miami's lineup, which is not very good. We know that. We know that they're not putting a quality product out there just yet. But, yeah, you, like you said, playing time is not going to be an issue. They don't really have anybody else to contend with him to hit in the middle of that lineup. I actually, a couple days ago, I played a 19-team Roto League. We have 15-man minor league rosters. I actually acquired him the other day. I gave up Joey, Lu- Joey Lucchese and Brandon Workman for Garrett Cooper and Ross Stripling, which I thought pretty, I did pretty well for myself. Have a pretty okay. deep pitching staff. Needed a little bit of help as far as with, with some bats. Got Garrett Cooper. Feel pretty good about that. And he's usually eligible – I believe in that league, he's eligible outfield first base, so he gives you a few options also. But I'm I'm definitely holding him if I have him, and if I can buy him at a nice price, I'm going to go out and get it. Yeah, no, I'm kind of buying into it as well. It kind of came out of nowhere for me. I really he wasn't really on my radar, but uh, rather surprising with what he's doing. I think there's some sustainability there as well. Uh, JP Crawford for prospect guys like yourself and many others, or Philly fans in general, this was the guy they thought was the next Jimmy Rollins. It did not pan out. Change of scenery does wonders for people, does absolute wonders for people. And uh, not the greatest start in the world, went back to the minors. He got recalled and playing since the 14th. He has hit in 10 of 13 games for the Mariners, hitting over 367. He has uh, eight extra base hits, stolen a bag, not striking out a ton. Are we believing this is a J.P. Crawford? Are we buy, selling, or holding this J.P. Crawford? Well, that's what I was looking into him a little bit more deeply because I don't have any shares of him. And the first question that came to mind is, is when the hell did J.P. Crawford become good in baseball? Like, I didn't realize mm-hmm. that that happened. And, you know, we, we thought there for a while he was just going to be maybe an all-defense guy. And he has shown this season he's maybe figured it out a little bit. Now, do I expect him to continue hitting at the streak he's at now? No. So he might be a guy that if you maybe can wait till this streak is over, I might try to buy him low. But – I think that when you look down through his his stats page here, I think what you can kind of get out of him is his 2017 AAA season. He had 15 homers, 63 RBIs, five steals. I think he has a, a chance to hit for a little bit of higher than that 243 average, maybe up to about maybe 260, had a 351 OBP that year. That's kind of what I expect him to maybe top out as. Maybe a few less home runs. If he can figure out the power a little bit, I, I like him a lot more. But I think that that's kind of the high side of it for him. But he could be, you know, kind of like I mentioned earlier, he could be that guy you get in the later rounds that could maybe be your middle infielder that you might feel kind of good about. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold him right now. I might buy low after this hot streak's over, but I think at the, t- at the top, that 15 and 63 with that 250, 260 average is what he's going to top out at. So I wouldn't expect a ton, but I, I think, he, you know, with just with the, the, the pedigree that he had, with the, the anticipation they had for so long for him being so good, I think he could be a useful piece down the road, especially in deeper leagues. Yeah, he sounds like just that stat line alone. If he if he stole a few more bags, he sounds like a cheaper Tim Anderson, like before Tim Anderson. Yeah, got good. That's kind of that's kind of the guy who makes you wonder if he's just a late blooming prospect, and all of a sudden he's going to flick that switch and voila. Um, we very interesting to see how that plays out next year for sure. A uh, couple more bats to talk about here. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I was in love with him to start the season. It was ugly, as everyone knows. Went to the minors. He came back, and he's been a bat out of hell. Hit three thirty three in the month of June. Eight home runs, 13 total extra base hits. Even stolen a bag. 
he just looks locked in at the dish right now. He's he's a, a hit. He's He's been outstanding. That's against some big pitchers in Boston and the Bronx. Are you believing in this Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? Are you buy, selling, or holding Lourdes Gurriel Jr.? I'm a holding for right now because I think if you go to try to buy him, it's going to be expensive. And I don't really know what to make of him. And, you know, we talked about him on the Nasty Cast Tuesday night, and then I'm looking at him Wednesday, and he hits two homers. So we kind of – we definitely are taking credit for credit for that. We call that the old Nasty Cast bump. So he went out <laughs> and did that. But he's, he's up to 12 homers right now. That surpasses any his career high, which was last year, was 11. He never hit double-digit homers in the minors. But he also – to be fair, didn't have a ton of plate appearances. So I, I think you're going to see this come down a little bit. The, the the one thing that sticks out for me in his game that I do not like is he does not walk enough for me. And that 352 BABIP, kind of like we mentioned earlier with Tim Anderson, yet again, keep bringing him back up. I don't think that 352 BABIP is going to stay there. It's going to come down a little bit, which you're going to see the OBP come down uh, quite a bit as well. So in that season that I referenced 2018, I think that's more closely of, as far as average and OBP what you're going to get, which if you can get this guy off waivers, because like you said, at the beginning of the season, a lot of people left him for dead and, and, and chucked him off their team. If you if you got him and didn't pay anything for him, and you get that 280 average, you can get an OBP a little bit over 300, and you can get you know at, at this point he could be on pace to hit maybe 20 home runs, which you don't you don't normally find that, especially at a guy that's playing primarily your, that's eligible at your middle infield spot. You know he's eligible in a couple places as well, and sometimes when it comes down to waivers at this time of year. That's kind of the deciding factor for me is when I look at how many different spots I can put a guy. So I, I think it's legit to a point, but I think you're going to see it regress a little bit. But you're still going to see, I think, 20 home runs. I think you can still see a 280 average, maybe see about a 320 OBP. Yeah, the, the fact he's middle infield and probably outfield eligible, if not now, pretty soon, that will come in handy. And, and I agree with you. The average, I don't think, is sustainable, obviously. 333 with Lourdes, I don't see. 275, 280, very doable. But the reason I always loved him is, A, he was barely getting drafted, and I, I believed in his power extra base hit upside. So we're pretty much on the same page there. I could see a you know, 20-home run season, a little dip in uh, average, but a lot to like there. He might sneak in you know, five or six stolen bases, which in this era is bigger than people think. So there's a lot to like there with Guriel. Uh, last hitter we'll talk about here, I added him this morning, because as I looked at him more, I'm like, geez, he might be doing it? Like, question mark? Uh, I feel like Ron Burgundy right now, maybe. <laughs> um, but he's, he's come back from the minors. He's hitting five of seven games. His name is Francisco Mejia. He was a massive catching prospect with the Indians. Never worked there. They tried to have him play other positions. Didn't work. Dealt to the Padres. Story keeps going on. But, you know, like I said, two homers in seven games, hitting 304. He's pretty much, he started six of those seven. So they're kind of pushing Austin Hedges to the side. You know, Mejia could be getting every playing time, Ron. Are we thinking that maybe finally he's figuring this out? I'm not ready to pull the plug on him yet because he is only 23. But the problem with me is if he's not catching, he loses a lot of value. He's a guy – and I don't know where else he's going to play because I know they've tried him at third base. He played there in Arizona Fall League one year, and it really wasn't too just too spectacular of a result. He doesn't walk enough either. Yet again, that's another thing that is, is kind of his one of his downsides is he's not walking at enough of a clip. And so he's only walking at a 4.8% rate. So, you know, we, we know the bats there. We know that he was – you know, highly heralded prospect, but he just hasn't come as advertised. But like I said, I'm not ready to give up on a 23-year-old guy as well. But he's yet another one that I, – I, it was kind of a head-scratcher when the Padres acquired him because you kind of wondered where he was going to play. And he's, he's, he's really not that great of a catching prospect. I know he's played a, a game in the, in the outfield. They put him out there to see kind of what's going on. So I, I don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of him. 
if he's cheap, I think you can kind of go with him. I don't think there's going to be a lot of people rushing. You know, if you throw him out there on the trade block, they're wanting to acquire him. But it just kind of, it just all depends upon to me if he stays a catcher or not. He's way more valuable if he stays a catcher. If not, to me, he's just kind of another guy right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. If he stays a catcher, there's a lot to like there. Catchers has been a hell of a landscape this year. Very interesting <laughs> landscape to begin with, and like the the hitting part of of Mejia we've seen in the minors been so beautiful. It just getting him to stick on the field, the defense, people trusting the defense. So many things you mentioned, it's been kind of frustrating. So we'll be interesting to see where this goes. I'm pretty sure I didn't check, but he's available in a lot of leagues. I've seen his name on the waiver wire a lot. So if you want to take a stab, if you have an empty kind of catcher void you have out there, it's worth a grab, I think, to see if this is worth it before the cost gets too expensive. All right, let's talk about a few pitchers. I had to bring one of your Tampa Bay Rays up here. Only because I, I think most sane people are doing the whole Aaron Rodgers relax. But there's a lot of people, like you probably noticed, ready to jump off the bridge. And yeah. His name is Blake Snell. And the last three starts have not been pretty. A 20.57 ERA, a 7.83 X to bunker, how you shake it, is not pretty. But overall on the season, the numbers look like, I think Sammy retweeted it out yesterday, like a running back and forth from last year and this year's stats. Outside of the ERA, everything is almost identical or better this season. Mm-hmm. What is your take on Blake Snell as a Rays fan, as a as a fantasy guy? What are you doing? What's your What do you need to tell people about Blake Snell? I mean, this. Well, first of all, this is I'm going to set my Rays fandom aside because obviously, as a Rays fan, I want to see Blake Snell win Cy Youngs for every year for the rest of his career. That being said, I believe Blake Snell pitched over his head a little bit last year. I mean, there's a 1.89 ERA in a year. You're not going to see that every year out of the out of out of Blake Snell. Do I think he has potential to be a frontline starter? Absolutely, he does. So I think that you've got to kind of find somewhere in between what he's doing now and what he posted last year. Which, like you said, that was, I, I saw that tweet as well, and I was kind of amazed by that. And even yeah. when you just look at his FIP and his XFIP, his ERA is sitting at five point zero one right now. FIP is sitting at three point four eight. XFIP is sitting at three point one nine. So XFIP saying he's going to pitch better, and he's pitching better than what. His ERA shows a lot of it's bad luck. 357 Babip is sitting there and he's not stranding runners. You know, his, his strand rate last year was 88%. It's 66.6. So maybe that's kind of a sign as well. He's, he's, he's got the 666 strand rate there. But I want to see him <laughs> succeed more than anybody. I think he's definitely a guy that you could go by low on right now. Um, and, and hopefully, not a lot of people saw that tweet that got sent out. It's just, it's, a lot of his metrics are comparable to last season. But, I, I, you know, like I said, I want to see him succeed more than anybody. But as a Rays fan, I think there's that he's in, in between those two stat, those two years. But I think he's more last year than obviously he is his 5.01 ERA. Yeah, and, and I think one of the big things you mentioned there is the left on base rate from last year to mm-hmm. this year. That's not sustainable. Like that 88%, there was going to be right. something not going his direction. But everything else just shows you he still has the nastiness. He still is really, really good. So people I need to take a little step back, breathe. It's going to happen. If you thought you were going to get the same Blake Snell as last year, well, you were buying fool's gold to begin with. Because what he did last year, only guys like Pedro Martinez and a few others have done. Like, it just doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. I just want to let get, give everybody another perspective on, I think people need to relax. And I'm with you. If, if there's a Snell owner that's in full panic mode, I'd look to trade for him. I really would. Because you're not going to find that many difference makers out there for the rest of the way that can do what Blake Snell potentially can do. So lots to like there. Let's go to the Cleveland Indians, a guy that I could not figure out for the life of me in draft season. 
still can't figure them out now, so I'm going to ask you about them. Shane Bieber is just a perplexing, perplexing individual. You know, on the season, a 3-8-3 ERA, a 3-2 XFIP, things look okay. Overall, he's been pretty good since uh, in all of June. He had one kind of rocky start, but overall not bad. Two earned runs or less in four of his five starts. For me, which I always get concerned with, is, is his hard contact rate is tremendous. You know, Sarah wrote a great article in The Athletic about it. What are you doing with a guy like Shane Bieber? Are you believing that he's actually as good as, you know, his ex-fip and his peripherals say? Or are you concerned that just as much contact and around the zone as he sits there on, you're concerned? I'm not concerned yet. And we, we this is a guy that I, I liked when we first talked about the Indians farm system heading into last year. And I thought he could kind of be a sneaky guy. Because one of those things I like when we look at these minor league systems is I like some of these pitching prospects that you can get in your dynasty drafts that are in systems with a lot more heralded guys. You know, Tristan McKenzie kind of sits there at the top of their prospect list. Shane Bieber was a guy that you could get kind of cheap and I thought could be very, very solid. And he has been. But the problem with him is you look at the amount of innings he's pitched. It's only his second full season as a starter. He is fairly young. And I don't think a lot of people expected him to be like this. You know, he's only 24. So I think it's it's common to that you're going to see these kind of hiccups in the road here. But he's a guy that I'm definitely holding. He's a guy that, kind of like Blake Snell, if you get somebody that wants to deal him, I would go out and get him because the peripheral, peripherals, like you said, look good. The FIP and the XFIP's there. And he's striking out 11 and a half guys per nine innings, which I didn't think he would post that at a sustainable a rate. For, yeah, no, not at all. Because when you look at his minor league stats, he barely yep. ever hit nine if he did hit nine in the minors. And he hit 9.26 last year. So... I, I mean, that's something he's kept up over 96 innings, and that's not something I thought that, that we would see. So I would go get him if you can, and if you got him, just hold on to him. Don't don't panic just yet. Yeah, and that's one of the things I, I, I asked so many people about him in the preseason doing podcasts or other shows I was even on. I was going, what are you doing with Shane Bieber? Because when he was getting drafted, it was like Bieber, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Pavetta. They were all kind of in that same realm. We know what's happened with Pavetta. Erod, I think, still pretty good. I think you're getting what you thought you'd get out of Erod, you know, some sketchiness at times, but overall some pretty good numbers in the grand scheme of things. And then Bieber's just been that guy where he's given up the hard contact like I thought, but those strikeouts, like you said, I just I don't see how he does it because his pitch mix doesn't like do it for me. He's not, he's throwing a lot of fastballs. He's all around the zone. Like I know Nick Pollock says, I wish Bieber would throw, you know, three one pitches out of the zone and try to get chases and take a walk mm-hmm. once in a while because he usually just puts it on a tee and that's what happens. Like he hasn't figured that part of it out. It's it's weird what he's doing, but he's doing it, like you said, and we can't ignore that fact. It's just it's crazy. I want to see how he keeps running. But you mentioned him. Here's another guy that's just like it, Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers. Peripherals again over the last five starts. He already have five seven, except a two nine one. He's got mm-hmm. almost twelve Ks per nine. His Ks per nine on the season have been phenomenal. Uh, he's been up and down for the minors and the bigs, but to me, he's been one of the best fantasy pitchers the Brewers have brought to the table this year. What are your thoughts? Like, are you buy selling and holding Brandon Woodruff? I'm hold- yet again. I mean, you know, like with the last two guys we talked about, I'm holding him if I have him, and if I can go get him, I'm going to go get him because his FIP is sitting at 3.07, the ERA just a little over four, and he's got a decent offense behind him. I mean, he's got nine wins, so if you play in a wins league, he's definitely a guy you want to have with the with the offense behind him with Christian Yelich at all. So I, I think he does profile very similarly to Shane Bieber. I think that's a great comp. But I, he's a guy that I do like. I don't have him anywhere. I wasn't able to get him anywhere. But he's he, he he's a guy that if you can go get him, go get him. And I think that it's just a matter of 
you know, kind of seeing him pitch more innings yet again, when you look at 2017, 2018, he only has about 85 innings pitched. He's already surpassed that so far this season. So yet again, older prospect, you know, or older player, he is 26 years old as far as, you know, he's only been up for those 80 something innings. But I, I think that he's a guy too, that you can kind of plug in, get some solid numbers out of the K's yet again, they're a little bit higher than I think we expected, but just to kind of, you know, it's, it, we're, we're talking a lot about pitching here. I just had this conversation with a buddy yesterday. How about this starting pitching on the season and trying to figure this thing out? Like this has been yes. just ridiculous. And I, I'm sitting there yesterday, you know, with my father-in-law watching the Yankees and he's flipping back and forth between the Yankees and the Red Sox. And you're watching Paxton get lit up. You're watching sale get lit up. We've seen snow get lit up. It's not been a good year for starting pitching for sure. Especially if you paid it, paid a, full premium for him yeah and that's why it comes back to like so many things we've talked about like the Blake Snell thing you can't panic because this year it's a different season like yeah these guys are still doing so many good things it's just ERAs are all over the map like in the old days you wanted a guy a low three it's like well if a guy's got a three five to three six he's probably doing really good actually like mm-hmm. really good um and, and it's, it's just you have to tweak your brain to kind of look at the new era of baseball where it's the same thing with the bats, you know, a 20 home run hitter used to be happy getting a bunch of 20 home run, like late round outfielders or something. 20 home runs might not be that difficult for even your middle infielder. now. like there's just <laughs> so many little factors of the game that are changing that adjusting on the fly is not easy. And then when we go to try to do analyze things in the off season, it might change completely next year because they might screw us with the ball again or like who knows, but it's just weird. Like you said, with pitching, and I was going to ask you real quick. I didn't put him on the outline, so we don't have to go deep into him. But, you know, Woodruff's teammate, I, I almost put him on the list because he was on the, the kind of top performers from June. But Freddie Peralta, he's another guy that, you know, not a huge pitch, pitch mix, big strikeout stuff. But when he misses, it's ugly. But right now he's pitching well. So it's kind of like, do you want to ride that wave? I've heard many people say to stay away because it's nasty when it's nasty. But just like you said, the landscape is so difficult like a guy like Freddie Peralta, does he have any appeal to you at all? It's got to be a deeper league because you, you kind of made the argument that I was going to make there is when he's off, he's off by a long shot. But if you're in a league where it's K per nine or you, you, you have strikeouts as a category, he's definitely a guy that will help you out. But you just have to be able to eat that five-plus ERA when it comes out, and it, and it comes out quite a bit because I actually have had him in a couple spots where he did help me out through some stretches, and he also kind of paid me back by just getting blown up. But it's got to be a deeper league for me to add him to my yeah. rotation. Yeah, that's what I, was, I just wanted to bring him up because I was surprised to see him on the list when I was kind of doing this this morning. I was like, wow, I, I really didn't expect that. So um, interesting. But uh, one quick one we could do right here, Sean Newcomb, he's having a great month of, of June. A lot of it's been out of the bullpen. He's had a couple kind of spot starts, opener type situations with this issue with their starting rotation. Do you have any like, – he was actually picked up in a lot of leagues in TGFBI the last couple weeks. Any thoughts on Sean Newcomb? It's going to be super quick if you don't have a ton, because I'd understand if you don't. Yeah, I think I just to kind of sum it up, I think he could be, you know, we talked about Bryce Wilson earlier. I think he might be a guy you could go get for cheap and maybe hope something comes out of it. But just the, the one thing you can't expect him to keep up the, the strand rate, that's a stat that I look at quite a bit with pitchers. I think that tells a lot. It's at 82.6. That's not going to sustain itself. His ex-fifth support 4.74, so it's showing he's going to get worse and don't expect a ton of Ks. Yeah, I'm with you there. And it's pretty amazing that, I know it's a bullpen roll, but he has zero earned runs allowed this season, this, this month. Pretty impressive. Um, Matthew Boyd, this guy has been amazing this year. I think there were some people that thought he'd be good this year. Not this good. But the month of June has not been kind to Boyd. Four earned against Texas, five earned at Cleveland, four earned at the Royals, three earned against the Minnesota Twins. 
Minnesota, okay. Texas, we talked about how their offense is good, but at Cleveland, at the Royals, really kind of surprising there. Six ERA, but a 3.74 XFIP. So maybe some of this was kind of more than it should have been. And the big thing is he still has 32 Ks and 24 innings over that stretch. So he's doing what you want from that fantasy angle. Buy, sell, or hold Matthew Boyd. Is this a level of, you know, he was really good, but we should be really concerned now? Or are you holding him? I'm going to hold him because, yet again, we're kind of start, starting to sound like a broken record here. And I think it's just kind of the landscape that, that, we're, that we have here, you know, with the amount of homers that are being hit and the, the way that the offense has kind of spiked up this year especially. But yet again, like you mentioned, the Ks, the K for nine still sits at 11.42. So I'm not too concerned about, about Matt Boyd. I would like to see a few less homers allowed. But I think this is just kind of a hiccup in his season. I think he's going to be fine. But it's one of those things, too. He's a guy that you could see on the move as well. I've, I've read a couple of things where the Yankees might be in on him since the Tigers are going nowhere. So you could see him move to a better situation as well. I, mean, I buy into that quite a bit also. You know, the psychology of a guy's in a losing environment and all of a sudden he gets, you know, sent to somewhere where he's in the midst of a race already. It's going to go one of two ways. It's either you're going to go, go really well and he's going to, you know, get right in and, 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 and dominate or he's going to buckle under the pressure and not be able to deal with it because he's not used to it. But I, I, I tend to side more with it, it does these players a little bit of good to change scenery. So this could be a guy you could see on the move around the deadline. So I wouldn't wouldn't get rid of him either. And if you could buy low on him, I think you could buy low. But I don't think he's going to be a buy low candidate. I think, like you said, a lot of people thought he was going to be good. I don't think they thought he was going to be this good. So maybe he's kind of normalizing out here as well. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. It's more of a normalization period for him. It's getting hotter around baseball. You're going to see a guy that gives up some loud contact, give up some extra home runs. It's just part of the game. If, if those strikeouts stay there, I think he'll have more good starts than bad overall, which will help you down the stretch. A couple more names to talk about here. The Colorado Rockies, John Gray. He's had a really good month of June, pitching good on the road and at home. He had like one hiccup at home and one hiccup on the road. Other than that, been really, really good. Not the toughest of competition. Giants, D-backs, Padres. Yeah, but still not bad. Are you thinking, Do you what you've seen this month and part of the season is this the John Gray everyone was hoping we'd see again after that big dominating year? Or are you selling him, thinking get what you can for him right now? I'm selling him just because this was one of the more intriguing things that I found as we were looking. I was looking through these guys that we have on this list here, and I I automatically assumed in my head because I don't have John Gray anywhere. I kind of let that ship sail a while ago, so that kind of foreshadows what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do with him here. But he has been better at home than he has away, which was really odd to me because obviously he pitches at cores and that scares a lot of people off from the get-go, which it should with a guy like him. He was always a strikeout guy. He was a guy you could get some Ks out of. But beyond that, he was prone to blow-ups, especially pitching at cores. 3.47 ERA at home, 4.2 on the road, which is a little bit intriguing. Now, the innings are a little bit of a discrepancy there. He's pitched 36 innings at home and, and 60 on the road. But so, so then that prompted me to look at his career numbers a little bit. And it's kind of amazing how his away and home numbers are eerily similar. He's pitched almost the same amount uh, of innings. It's not too far off. The ERA is very close, 4.49 at home, 4.57 away, giving him almost almost the same amount of homers, same Woba given up. So I'm selling John Gray. If you can get something for him, if you're in Dynasty League, get some prospects out of him, or, or maybe, hey, maybe this is the guy that you trade for Jeff McNeil, possibly. Who knows? I don't there know. But it's it's one of these things where – I, I cannot buy into John Gray long-term. I mean, we, we, he's, he was a top three pick. We've, we've hoped that he's going to figure out at some point. And he, we just haven't seen it yet. So, no, I can't buy into it. Yeah, it, it's tough. I, I didn't buy into it the last couple draft seasons. I don't buy into many of them. I was anti-Hermon Marquez. I, I, I just, if, if a, a guy pitches well for the Rockies and you took the gamble, more power to you. 
tell me how often that works for you and when it doesn't, because I'd like to hear both sides of that story from you. But um, yeah, John Gray, he's doing it somehow right now. I, I wouldn't hold my breath to see it the whole season, but Hey, I've been wrong many, many times. Uh, going back to Tampa Bay here, a guy that I like a lot. I, I took even shares of him thinking it was part of an opener situation, but Yanni Torinos has been so good. The Tampa Bay Rays have taken the training wheels off the bike. They're letting him actually start now. And his last four starts, he's got at least six innings, three earned runs or less in all those. For those keeping track at home, that's four straight quality starts for those in quality start leagues. And he's picked up the W in only one of those four, unfortunately. But he's pitching very, very well this year. A little bit of strikeout improvement, not a ton, but a little bit. You watch him a lot. What are we thinking with Yanni Trinos? I like him. You know, like you said, he was kind of part of that opener, kind of middle pitcher type thing that they do. He does have seven wins, but the offense has struggled lately, so I, I wouldn't be so prone to add him in wins leagues. But you mentioned quality starts. I think he's definitely a guy that you can get some quality starts out of. I wouldn't expect the ERA to stay around three, though. I think that's going to spike up a little bit. And he's a guy, too, that you're not going to get a ton of strikeouts out of. That's just not his M.O. When he's sitting at 7.34 K per nine on the season, I think that's right at where he's going to be for his career. I think his career is right around seven and a half somewhere. So he's pretty much doing kind of what you thought he would. I just kind of look for him to give up a few more runs. So I don't know necessarily if he's a guy that you can sell because he's just not one of those sexy names that, that, that you see. But maybe if you can kind of package him with something else and get something, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd hold on to him, though, just because of, you know, kind of like we've talked about going down this list just with the state of pitching. I think he's a guy that you're going to need in your rotation maybe to kind of help your uh, your ratios out a little bit. And that's a big part that I'm glad you mentioned is he's not, like, super flashy. A lot of these guys that are struggling have big strikeout upside. So he's one of those kind of things, kind of the end of your gang in your pitching staff in theory. He evens things out for you, or he might not like the – the radar gun on fire. He's still in his last five starts has six or more Ks and four or five. So mm-hmm. he's not crushing you by any means. But what he does for your peripherals, like you said, are tremendous. So I think there's a lot to like about Yanni. I really, really do like him this year and going forward. Before we wrap it up, as it's been another great time chatting with you, I have to ask you some race questions. That's just okay. the way it's going to go. And <laughs> they can be quick hitters if you want. You can go as deep as you want. I'll just get a glass of water and listen to you poetically, whatever you prefer couple things. We mentioned Jesus Lazardo. We okay. mentioned Dylan Cease. Brendan McKay, talk to me. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because it's, I, I, we talked about him on the Dynasty show last year, and I, and I love that they were able to get him. And, I, and of all the teams that, that could make uh, a Shohei Otani-type profile work where the guy hits and pitches as well, and, and you know, because the, the, we know the Rays – whether they're my team or not, you know they do. It, they have to do it well with their minor league system because they don't bring in a lot of money. We'll talk probably a little bit about that in a second. But he's a guy that I thought that they would let him kind of experiment with this as, as long as they possibly could. However, I always kind of sided with the fact that he was going to be an arm. I just didn't think he was going to be as dominant as he's, as he's been. I mean, he's been lights out at every level. And that's kind of the thing that, that I've expected out of him as well is I expected it to catch up with him at some point. It hasn't yet. I mean, he's been dominant to the point where Kevin Cash has, has said he needs to do a couple more things as far as just offensively, or, or I'm sorry, as far as a pitcher, and we could see him up with the big club. I don't think it's out of the question to see him up, especially if they think they can make a run at the division. But it's one of those things, too. It, it wouldn't shock me if they leave him down also uh, as far as, you know, leaving him at AAA, giving him that seasoning because he is only 23 but with the way that they're playing right now, he might be just the thing that they need to come up and play well. 
and yet again, 1.0 ERA in 25 or 1.8, 1.08 ERA in 25 innings pitch at AAA. So, like I said, he's done it at every level. We always talk on the Dynasty Show about how Double A is kind of that first test, and he he smoked it at Double A. He's smoking it at Triple A. The K's are down a little bit, walks are up a little bit, but yet again, not allowing the long ball. I think it, he could ultimately profile as a guy because we know the Rays love to put guys at every spot. That's that's something that they've done since the Joe Madden era. I think he could be a guy where they're kind of leaving the bat behind with him because he just hasn't impressed with it. But I think he's a guy that he could he's going to be in the rotation for sure. But he could be a guy maybe if they need a DH some days. I think they might let him do that for a little while. But I, I think it's almost time for him to kind of give the bat up. He has hit a little bit better at AAA in 60 plate appearances, hitting 265. He does have four homers. So I don't think they're going to completely abandon it altogether when he comes up. But I think down the line, he's going to stick to being just a pitcher. But ultimately, impressive on the mound for sure. And I think even exceeding a little bit of expectation as to what people thought he would be. Yeah, I think the race, they end this race, which I'm hoping they do. And I'm pretty sure you hope so as well. <laughs> I, um, I, I wouldn't be shocked because they aren't, they're like the opposite of the Rockies. They will let these kids play. And mm-hmm. it also helps when they have hundreds of them, it feels like. Like everywhere you turn, there's more and more that just keep popping up out of the woodworks. Yeah. They have to they have to trade them because they have no choice. It's just uh it's a good thing to have. But yeah, I, I think he's one that might sneak up here a little later. Um Nate Lowe, we saw him earlier. I've still held on to him in a couple like that's like the one prospect I got, but I didn't break the bank on him, thank God. I've held on to him. The kid just crushes baseballs, uh, Ron. Uh, what are your thoughts like on him? G Man Choi cannot keep keeping him out of the lineup. No, and 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 it's funny because I my my son and I went to the the Rays game and I refer to G Man Choi as Jai Man Chief now because that's what my my nine year old called him <laughs> in the game. So he's for now, for now forever known as Jai Man Chief in my eyes. But yeah, he he's 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 got the the chops to knock him out of that spot. And I think it's just a matter of time. I don't think G Man Choi can can hold him off. You know, he did get a little bit of, of a taste up there, and he he wasn't awful. I mean, he hit two sixty three three ten OBP, struck out way too much, and that was the problem. He struck out a twenty six percent clip which is a little bit higher than what he was at at AAA. But I think he can yet again be a useful piece. It's just like you said, it's just a matter of they have so many guys at so many spots. And it's not that they specialize in one thing. You can compare him pitching-wise. You can compare him hitting-wise in the minors. And they have – I mean, Nate Nate Lowe is a 13th-round pick that they hit on. So 23 years old. So yet again, they don't rush these guys up. But when they do, they let them play. So I think you definitely see him again. I think you definitely see him – um, oust Jai Man Chief out of that spot for sure. Nice, nice. And the last one I'll ask you about, there's many we could talk about with the Rays. Wander Franco was just promoted recently to double-A, I believe it was, and he's continued to just crush it. What do you think the rough ETA is for a guy? I'm not expecting this year by any means, but what do you think the ETA is for a guy like Wander Franco? It's hard to say because it, it just kind of feeds into what we just said with him as far as how many guys they have. He's only 18, so, I mean, it's not going to be anytime soon. If I had to guess, I would say, I would say, tw- I mean, it just depends upon how he, he progresses at these levels. I know that's a lame answer, but you know, he, and, and the, the cool thing about him is he actually was promoted to high A, which is Port Charlotte, which is right up the road for me. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him play up there. I'm hoping to maybe head up there in the next couple of weeks and see what, see what he's all about. But he, you know, he's listed as MLB.com's number one prospect after all these prospects have gotten called up this year. I would say next year at the, at the earliest, maybe late season, just depending upon what what other guys get moved or what other what happens with some of these other middle infield guys because they have a lot of guys that profile you know in that middle that second shortstop third base range and he's right there at shortstop but it I think he's he's a tad bit different just because he is 
such a heralded prospect. I mean, they, they have a ton of good prospects, but he's the number one guy in all of baseball right now. And, and, and so it's, in the, it's kind of easy to see why, because he's going to give you a little bit of everything. He's hit for average at every level. He's hit bombs at every level. He's swiped bags at every level. He, he doesn't strike out. I mean, he struck out 7.4% at double A, walked 11%. So that tells you right there, the batting eye is already there, and the kid's 18. And you see guys in, in, in Aaron, Aaron A-ball that, you know, he, they're 23, 24 years old. They don't need to do that. And so I would say next year, mid to late season at the earliest, but I think 2021 is when you kind of see a chance for him to shine and show what, he, show what he's all about. I love it. I can't wait. I know you can't wait to see that happen as the Rays. Rays are winning the wild card, my friend. They're doing it. They're making it. They got They got to get it together with with you know they're not playing so impressively right now. They got to get that. You know, Blake Snell is going to come come back and be solid. I'm I'm not too worried about it, but you know you can't let it slip for too long in a division with the Sox and the Yankees, especially when they can go out and just add people at will if they need to. Yeah, that's the crazy part. But the good part is is the Rays are actually been they've been linked to names like Kimbrel and some of the other trade targets. So that's good. They're actually out there trying to make it happen, mm-hmm. which we don't hear very often. So. We'll see what happens, my friend. But as we wrap it up, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you again and uh, all that good stuff you got coming up? Yeah, so you can find me at, on Twitter at the Real Mod A. You can find me on the Nasty Cast with the aforementioned uh, and in Fantrax Dynasty Baseball with my guys uh, Nathan Dawkins and the, the manliest Van Lee I've ever met, Van Lee. <laughs> you can find us on there with that. Uh, you know, uh, Bubba's been been known to to be a guest on there a time or two. It was a fun time when he comes around. But yeah, check us out there. And uh, football-wise, check me out at BigGuyFantasySports.com. Doing some good stuff with Bob Long, Colby Conway, Josh Brigner. The guide is out there on Amazon. Go get it. Won some awards last year. It definitely is something you need to prep for your drafts. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm leaving anything out. I think that's pretty much it. You are a busy, busy man. And go check out his <laughs> Twitter feed and, and Bob's Twitter feed for all that cool info about Canton, Ohio, coming up with the, all that good stuff there. But he is one of the nastiest, most consistent men out there. Ron Rigney, <laughs> thanks for joining me, my friend. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Anytime, my man. Always a good time. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 183 in the books with Ron Rigney of the Nasty Cats. Catch you guys later. Yeah.